Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. feel hyped. Could you guys like every day just let's do that for me. I'll be good. Yeah, you guys can be seated now. Thank you. Man, it is such an honor to be up. I'm surprised they trust me enough to talk to adults. Normally they're just like, hey, we'll put him over there with the students. He can't mess things up too bad over there. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, it's, it's a huge honor. I am super excited. I'm super stoked. Uh, it was great being out, being able to be out there. Um, oh, we're just going to be able to see some of our students just be involved. Alana and Abby, yep. killing it in worship. Can we give them a hand? Man, I wish, I wish I was where they are at the age they are when I was their age. If that's not confusing, then you're not a student. I don't know. Students understand what I'm saying. Um, and it's also great to see Evan over there doing awesome live stream stuff for our people online and Jameson's running around with a camera, taking pictures. Man, that's great. I'm a firm believer that the church is better when students are involved. Much like, much like any family, when everybody identifies that they have a role to play, and they pitch in, they do their work. I think the church is no different. Church is better when everyone takes ownership and puts in the work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited, as I said before, to be here. I'm super proud. Man, I just, I just want to just congratulate students. That's all I, I'm like in youth group mode. Just like, Bill, hype them up. Um, speaking of which, if you have students and you're like, yo, I want to get them out of the house. Because how do I know that? Because you have students who live in your house. Um, well, we're here every Wednesday, 6.30 to 8.30. We do a lot of cool stuff. Worship, prayer, teaching, games, all that stuff. We got tribe night coming up on Friday. Woo! Yeah! It's going to be awesome. I'm a little nervous. As you know, I made a deal with the students to uh, dye my hair if they get 50 students here. And last week, they got like 21 here without even trying. So I'm a little... <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be proud to wear my hair dyed for you guys, for you students. Uh, what, the color will be whatever... Uh, they all have team color, so whatever tribe wins. So it could be red, green... Blue or, God forbid, pink. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, but no, like, uh, like Val said, we're in a series currently called Character. And the character I chose is one of my favorites. He's a guy by the name of Moses. It's a name that you got to grow into. I will never, if it's in God's plan, that we have more kids, which at this moment, I believe that should have sailed. But all according to God, right? Uh, I will not name any of my children Moses, because as soon as I do that, they have high expectations as to who they need to be in life, and they don't need that pressure. Um, but he's one of my favorite characters because he's so human. This guy has more excuses to not do something than a, one of your teenagers do to not take out the trash or clean the room or something, right? When God initially calls him like three or four times, Moses is like, oh, I can't. I don't speak good. Oh, you don't know who I am, God. And he just excuse after excuse after excuse. But the great thing is that God chose an imperfect man to carry out his perfect mission. And that is what I love, that God qualifies the unqualified. 
right? I mean, that's a, I got to move on. That's a sermon series. Wednesday, I'll talk to you guys about that. <laughs> um, but God qualifies the unqualified. And before we dive in here, let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word, God, I thank you for the characters that have appeared in the Bible, Father God, that help guide the way for us, that help show us who you are, God, the things that you desire to do in our lives. And I pray over these next moments together, God, that we really just dive into you, that you impart something to us so that we can leave here changed and impacted. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So the story of Moses. So there are, there are some stories in the Bible that Everybody in church knows, like we know the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus, right? Climbed a sycamore tree to see what he could see, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's the only line of that song I remember, but it's stuck. We know that. We know uh, about, you know, the Last Supper. We know about, uh, you know, Jonah. You know, these all these stories. And there are some stories that transcend the, the walls of the church, right? Jesus, Adam and Eve, and Moses parting the Red Sea, right? That is a story that goes, that everybody knows. Everybody knows about parting the Red Sea, right? Um, so it's a, it's a huge pivotal story, and there's a lot of stuff that happens. Right? Everyone knows the ten plagues, right? God does all this crazy stuff. Um, Pharaoh's all stubborn. He's like, no, you can't take your people. And eventually, Pharaoh says, okay, take them, get out of here. And we know Israel goes on to walk in the promised land after some time and all that stuff, right? But there's... A part of the story that doesn't really get mentioned a lot. And it's a, a, a characteristic that Moses has to adopt in order to go through this stuff. You see, prior to Moses actually arriving at Egypt, God tells him something very specific, very particular. And it comes out of Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. It says, The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you. The power to do. When you get to Egypt, do all this crazy stuff. You're going to make these frogs appear. You're going to send fireballs down from heaven. You're going to turn the river and island to blood, and it'll be crazy, and everyone will see how awesome I am. Go do that stuff. But, huh, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let his people go. See, Moses has to adopt this characteristic of perseverance. He has to persevere Pharaoh. And you see, when God is telling Moses this stuff, he's, he's in essence telling Moses, hey, I've called you to go do something. You're going to do all this great stuff. But you're going to fail and you're going to be told no. That's effectively what he tells Moses. Hey, go out on a limb for me and you're going to crash and burn. He has to tell Moses, because Moses has to, in his mind, change how he's approaching the situation. Not only that, but think of it from Pharaoh's perspective. You got this guy who keeps coming back to you, who's annoying, keeps asking you the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I would be kind of done if I was Pharaoh. At any moment, Pharaoh could just say, kill him. I'm done with that guy. Just kill him. And Moses had to know in his mind every time he approached Pharaoh, that was a possibility. Because he was a pain in the side of the most powerful ruler of the most powerful empire at that time. That requires a thought shift. Not only that, but he had to watch the people he cared about around him suffer. The very people God called him to save, he had to watch their life get worse 
and worse and worse and worse. You see, in, in Exodus 5, after the first time Moses goes to, to Pharaoh, uh, and they perform a miracle, and Pharaoh's like, oh, whatever, get out of here. You can't take your people. He goes to sl- his taskmasters, right, his slave drivers. He's like, you know what? All that straw they're using to make the bricks, take it all away. They can't. They got to go gather their own supplies, but don't change how much they have to bring. And you see these people having to now do all this extra work because of something Moses did in Exodus chapter 5, uh, 21. It says, and they said, them being Israel, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials have put and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. If that doesn't require some perseverance to make it through, I don't know what does. God calls. So we see Pharaoh has to adopt this mentality of I'm going to have to push through some stuff. It's not going to be easy. I don't have to keep going. And God calls us to do the same exact thing. You see, the promise he gave to Moses, he actually gives to us. Jesus gives to us a little bit later on the Bible. And it comes out of John 16:33. It's a scripture that, well, it's, it's bad and then good, right? In this world, you will have, okay, I'm going to get student mode. In this world, you will have what? Troubles. Troubles. In this world, it's going to get hard. There are going to th- be things that want to knock you down, that want to keep you back, that want to destroy you, keep you from entering into the presence of God. Even though God has called you, there are going to be things that will want to take you out of that, discourage you, and drive you into the ground. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, the best part is that we don't have to do it on our own. That God has already won the day. He's already achieved victory. Just like for Moses, God had already set his people free. In our lives, God has already conquered those situations. We just haven't arrived at that moment quite yet. And that's why God calls us to persevere, to push through, so that we can arrive at that moment. Oh, scroll over. Oh, here we go. Um, because at, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when day of evil comes, you might be able to stand. So when day of evil comes, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. See how strong you are. No, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything, to keep on standing there. To push through the hard stuff. That when life comes and wants to smack you around. I don't know. I've been smacked around a little bit the last year and a half to two years. It's been a little bit crazy. But I thank God every single day that I choose, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep on fighting. Just like Moses had to keep going through the no's, the failures, the rejections. He continued to press on. Because promise is on the other side of perseverance. Promise is on the other side of perseverance. That's why it's so important in wherever you are in life to keep going. Because there's a promise that is waiting for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So perseverance, that's the first one. Number two, 
Moses had to let God be God. Let God be God. So the story goes on, right? Eventually, you know, after all the ten plagues, Pharaoh releases the Israelites. And they go on their merry way, and they're all happy. And they're, you know, we're free. And then before long, they find themselves trapped between an Egyptian army and a sea with no escape. And we, we give a lot of, uh, we criticize Israelites sometimes. It's like, wow, you guys, you're dumb. You guys forget all the time. You guys are constantly like, God is great. Oh, God hates us. Who are we going to worship something else? Oh, just kidding, God, you're great. Hey, let's go over here. Let's do this thing over here, right? Israel's everywhere. But Israel and the reality is, Israel is, if you think about them as a character, they're the closest representation of us that there is in the Bible. I don't know about you, but one day I'm like, God is good. And next time I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? Right? I don't know if you guys have experienced that. I certainly have. Um, even after God had done everything he had done, he gave them the ten plagues that destroyed Egypt but didn't destroy Israel. They still fell back into this mentality and forgot that God saved them from their Egypt. They told Moses, they said, there wasn't enough space in Egypt to bury all our bodies, so you brought us out here so they could kill us here, didn't you? And they were so afraid and paralyzed by the situation they found themselves in. And Moses' response is one of a, it's spoken in confidence, but he also understands what his role and what God's role is. It's in Exodus 14, verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord uh, will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. See, Moses understood God's role and power. Moses was confident in what God was capable of in the position that God was in. You see, as humans, as a person... We have trouble with the idea of letting go of the steering wheel. I'm just going to let that marinate for a second. We don't like to not be in control. That idea. Sure, we recognize like, oh, yeah, things happen in life. But while we can control some things, we like to control whatever it is we can't control. Right? Um, and we, unfortunately, get in the way of God. We kick God off the steering wheel, so to speak, and we try to be God. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good God in my life. Uh, I have made my own fair share of mistakes. Um, so a personal story, as you all know, we went through, we're, or I guess we're coming out, so to speak, of the whole you know, COVID-19 scenario that we find ourselves in. And I remember I began working with the youth, I think, in January of 2020. Ooh, yeah, greatest day ever. Um, and it was awesome, and I was like, man, we're going to do incredible things. There's going to be this awesome stuff, and we're going to reach our entire city, have a bunch of students, it'll be great. And then March reared its ugly face at me, at all of us, really. And then we entered the shutdown, lockdown, and everything stopped. And ever since that point, been in this mode of survival, right? This mode of how do we, how do we make this work? And I found myself trying to do it on my own, 
right? Trying to do all this stuff, like, let's do this, we're going to do this, and completely forgetting that I still have to let God be God. I still have to let him do things. Like, I can't expect that every, that we'll have a great youth group under my own strength, because I know me, it's not going to turn out that great. Sure, it might be awesome for one day, but then it's going to, you know, fizzle out. But I had to let, I have to let God be God. I have to understand, okay, God, I will do my part. And that's important to know, that I still have a part to play. I still have work that I need to do. But I also understand that I have to let God be God in my life. We just sometimes we need to get out of God's way. God needs to be at the helm of the ship so that when those armies do arrive, because trust me, there will be some armies. There will be some stuff that show up that you find yourself looking at an Egyptian army and trapped by a sea. And you go, oh, Lord, how are you going to do this? God, there's no way. God, you, you called me out to this thing so that I could crash and burn. I've never said that. That's not been me this past year and a half. You know, God, you called me to help with youth only to just, just plummet and suffer and struggle. God needs to be at the helm of the ship so that when those armies arrive, just like it says in Romans 8, 31, for when he is for us, who could be against us? When we let God be God, nothing, nothing can stand in his way. We got to let him be God, though. Amen? So Moses persevered. He let God be God. Number three, the final one here. He was chosen. As the story goes on, you know, Israel, they, you know, Moses parts the Red Sea, and they walk through, and it swallows up all the Egyptians, right? And they go on, and then Israel does what we would do, right? We back and forth with God, ups and downs, you know, mountains, valleys, all that stuff. Uh and there's an interaction where Miriam, who's Moses' brother or sister, and Aaron, Moses' brother, they come to him. They're like, "Yo, we got a problem with you. We don't like who you married, right?" Uh, and it's some believe that the person they're talking about is a lady by the name of Zipporah, who was Jethro, who a guy he saved uh, his daughters. I believe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. If it doesn't, look it up. Correct me. I don't care. Look, I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Ask my wife. Uh, it's true. I'm human. It's crazy. Um, but Marian, uh, Miriam and Aaron are critical, and God calls them out. He says, hey, come over here. And at that moment, they should have been like, oh, shoot. God's calling us out. When God calls you out, that's never a good day. It's a life-changing day, for sure. But it's not a great experience. Um, so he calls them out, and in Numbers, Chapter 12, verse 6, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, re reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. God tells them, do you know who it is you're talking about right now? Are you aware of the, the you know, I'm going to talk behind their back. Yeah, I'm, Moses, you're doing a terrible job. We're critical of you. And then God's like, do you know who that guy is? 
Do you know what he's done for you? The place that I have put him in? See, Moses was chosen, and he operated in authority that God had given him. Uh, I used to work for a company called Sherwin-Williams Paint. You might have heard of it. might not. If not, it's fine. Just keep going on in life. It's not a big deal. Uh, it's a paint store. Right? Every time someone's like, what do you do? Oh, I work at a paint store. What do you do? Mix paint? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you can't tell them what you do because they won't really, like, appreciate what it is you're talking about, right? I don't know. Is anybody... Like, experience, like, I want to tell you what I do, but you're just going to go, oh, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, I just, I just like, yep, I, all I do is mix paint and stuff, it's easy. Anyway, there was, there was a time, we did, we did these things called color matches, right? Someone brings in a little chip, and they're like, I want this color. And we're like, okay, we'll do it. And we had a cool, nifty machine that you could put on and skin it, and then it would, like, calculate out the formula and then shoot paint or color into paint. But then, sometimes it didn't always work. Sometimes it was really, really wonky, right? You'd want a red, and then it's like, here's purple. Or you want to yell, like, here's green. Um, so there required a little bit of artistry, right? You had to get in there. And that was my favorite part, I mean, me being slightly artistic. I'm like, ooh, I got to add a little bit of this, a little bit of that, sprinkle of that, dash of that, right? Think of that, what, that sprinkle meme, right? Swoosh, that was me, mixing color matching, right? Um, <laughs> And so I did it for, for a, a newer customer, and I matched his color. He went on. He came back one day, and he's like, this ain't right. He threw it down, threw down the color matches, brought in all the paint. He's like, this doesn't look good. And I was standing there like, it looks good to me. I don't, I don't, know, what to, I don't know what to say to you. And so I had to kind of like finagle my way through the conversation, right, trying to like, well, some, you know, almost offering up excuses, even though I was right, he was wrong. I had to convince him that he was right and I was right, right? It's like, for those of you in, like, sales, like, you kind of, you know, like, I got to convince this guy. Um, and he wasn't having it. So I was like, okay, I'm all, I'm all out of ammo. I got nothing. So I was like, I'll go talk to my manager. Stay here. It's fine. So I brought the stuff to my manager. I was like, here's the situation. He's like, all right, got it. He brings them out, throws them down on the counter in front. He's like, looks good to me. Just looks at the guy. The guy's like, Oh, yeah, well, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, and then my manager, then my manager took over, and he took care of the guy. And I was just standing outside, I was like, yeah, you go. You tell me. He's like, he's got my back. That guy, go. And then, you know, afterwards, it's like, fist pump. Yeah, you got me. You got me. I got you. It's easy. But in watching my manager operate, there was a level of authority and confidence that he walked in. Check my page. See, a person without authority approaches a situation with excuses as to why that isn't, why it can't be. A person walking in authority approaches a situation with solutions, with answers, with confidence that it can be done, right? There is confidence and responsibility to carry out that mission. And what the word that wraps all together is ownership, Right? There's an amount that, that somebody looks at a situation when they're walking in authority, they're owning it. That they know they have been given the permission to go forward and operate. And that's what God had put over Moses. God had given him permission, authority, and responsibility to act, to move forward. And the great thing is, we are all chosen. In Isaiah 49, he calls us all out by name before we were even born. He knew exactly who I was. 
In Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse we all know. At least I hope we all know. If you don't know it, learn it. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone here. At the hub, at home, wherever. If you have uh, breath in your lungs and a heartbeat, you have a purpose. God has designed specifically for you. He called us, he has, and that means he has given us the authority to walk out. The authority to go through life, to pursue the things that he has called us. The funny thing, well, it's not funny, it's interesting. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. God doesn't need us to do his work. Um, you know, the story of Esther and Mordecai, right? Esther's one of those stories that I think everybody in church kind of knows, right? People, Her people are about to die, and uh, Mordecai goes there. He's like, help us. She's like, but I'm scared. I'm paraphrasing. This is really paraphrasing. Um, and essentially, Mordecai says, okay, if you don't want to help, don't help. Whatever. Don't help. You're going to suffer the consequences, of course, of not helping. But God's deliverance and salvation will come from somewhere else. God doesn't need us. But he wants us. Despite us continuously messing things up, I will probably mess something up today. I've already misread a couple of my points. I've already messed up. But God says, I want to use you. I've chosen you. Just like Moses. Moses continued to give constant excuses and reasons why he can't do it. But God said, I don't care about any of that. I want you. I will qualify you. I have chosen you to carry out my mission. Now operate in authority. Walk in authority because the mission ultimately that he gives us is too important not to. It's too important to miss out. So God, Moses chosen, amen? All right, why don't you, why don't you stand with me and we'll, we'll wrap this thing up here. Look at that. I'm under time, man. Take that, dad. Mm. Right? No, just kidding. <laughs> my biggest fear was I'd go over, but... Um, so Moses demonstrated perseverance, a submission to God's authority and God's role in our lives, and he walked in the authority that God gave him. You see, at the end of the day, these attributes, all three of these, they actually all work together for something very specific. They all help each other out. It's like stepping stones. And ultimately... It's all to fight for God's promise. To push through when it gets hard. When it seems like nothing's working out. When you get told no over and over and over. And you keep putting yourself out there trying to take the step that God is calling you to take. And you fail. That when, uh, that when you approach a situation, you're not, you don't operate the way that God has really called you because you've been so rattled. You've lost that mentality of, no, this is where God has called me. And then letting God ultimately be the one who does the dirty work for you. Right? To let him bring the promise to us. Perseverance. Letting God be God. Being called. Being chosen. They are all to, so that we can fight for the things he has in store for us. Much like the, the Israelites, Moses had to fight to see the promise come for them. Just like in uh, 
going to the promised land, he still had to fight to see that come, fight to keep them together because there are things that God wants to do, but sometimes we miss out because we're too busy, you know, soaking in our own failure. We're too afraid to take those steps. We're trying to do it on our own or maybe we just don't have the confidence. Maybe God hasn't called me to this. I don't know, but I know in my life, the moments that I failed, it always thinks, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to do this? Because I feel like if I'm called to do something God has called me to do, I should be succeeding. I should be taking some ground. Why is this not working? Oh, maybe, maybe I got to change. Maybe I got to just not try anymore. It's not worth it. But God calls us to fight for the promise. And the last scripture I'll, I'll leave here with you guys. One is probably my favorite portion of scripture in the Bible. It comes out of book Habakkuk. A not often read book, I'm sure. But a great book. And it's, I love it because of how it personifies a promise. That a promise is not just a thing that God speaks and it's there and, you know, waiting on this checklist or on the timeline, right? And you got to wait till you get to it. But it's living, it's breathing, it's active. And I got it here out of the message because of the way it talks. It's, man, it's, it's great. So Habakkuk 2, verse 2 through 3 says, And then God answered, Write this. Write what you see. Write it down in big block letters so you can read it on the run, so that you can read it when times get tough, so they can read it when you get told no over and over and over again. You can read it when it's been dark for so long that you can read it when you have no faith, when you can't stir up the faith inside of you, when you feel like God made a mistake in choosing you, so you can read it on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. The promise in your life, they want to show up. They want to be here. Breakthrough wants to come. It desires to be here. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. Persevere. Keep going. The promise is coming. It's just on the other side. You just got to keep going, and it will come right on time. Father God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for Moses, God. You have, God, made a, a way for us to see what it's like to fight for the promises you have spoken. God, they don't come naturally. They don't come easy. God, we see all the time your will doesn't happen in this world. God, I pray that we will be able to push through. God, that we will be able to persevere. God, that we have done everything we possibly can to stand our ground. God, that we continue to stand our ground. We continue to fight on. We continue to press on. Father God, despite failure and rejection and people shouting at us, telling us that we're, we're worthless to them, that we're dead to them. God, that we, we understand that it's about pursuing you and your calling. Above all else, God, that we are chosen. God, while sometimes we don't feel chosen, you have called us out by name, God. You know the hairs on our heads, Father God. You know who we are inside, Father God. Before we were even a thought, God, you knew exactly who we were. You knew exactly the plans you had for us. God, I pray that, Lord, we would just get out of the way. God, that as we pursue you, pursue your promise, God, fight for your promise, God, that we would do our part, sure, yes, absolutely, Lord, that you would guide us Lay out the pathway for us, God, but that 
we would watch you be you. God, because we might look at our situations and see a giant mountain, God, but that just means you're that much bigger. We might look at the giant ocean between us, Father God, between us and the armies that are coming against God, and we see this is so big. How can we cross this, God? But that just means you're that much bigger. I pray we lean into that, God. We thank you so much for who you are. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.